Well, good morning, church. Uh, It's good to see a handful of uh, actually living, breathing bodies uh, in the room this morning. And um, it's a beautiful day, Uh, a day, I think, full of, uh, uh, well, full of promise for us to look into the scriptures and see what God would have for us today. So we've been working through Ezra and Nehemiah. We're up to Ezra chapter four. Last week, we we looked at the reality that uh, Nehemiah uh, was seeing where he saw that uh, the uh, the walls were broken and uh, around Jerusalem, the gates had been burned with fire. And uh, he said that that was a reproach to God and to his people. And Nehemiah is urging the people to get busy about uh, building. And so about 40 something, 41, 42 different groups of people are building different sections of the wall. Uh, and we noted last week that there's probably, you know, all different kinds of people, not just contractors are building the wall, all different kinds of people. Uh, and it would have looked probably, uh, it would have looked interesting, as we'll see in this text today, that the enemies of God thought uh, it was something to, worth making fun of. Um, and so as these, um, uh, as, as the wall gets built, slowly but surely, bit by bit, uh, in kind of random sections all around uh, Jerusalem, slowly but surely, obviously, the reproach that living in a city of ruins uh, would bring is being removed. But also what we're going to find today is what we always find, and that is anytime uh, the people of God respond to the goodness of God and uh, in obedience and faith step towards what God wants them to do, there will be resistance. Always, always. Um, there, will, there will always be resistance. In fact, uh, one of the things I tell the church staff sometimes is, you know, I can't tell if you're doing anything good if nobody is ever mad at you. Uh, because if nobody ever gets angry with you or gets disappointed in you, then I don't know that you're doing anything, right? So one, one thing's for sure, if we are responding and moving uh, uh, with what God has us to do, uh, there'll be some sort of resistance to it. And so we see that, uh, we see that in this text. So let me read to you uh, now uh, from Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Uh, the text is, uh, should be there available to you. Uh, uh, and and um, uh, it's, a, it's a good text for us to read this morning. Nehemiah 4, verses 1 through 14. This is the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Now, when Sanballat, and we've, we've heard of him before, heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building. If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Um, So the thing to note about that right off the bat is, how did Nehemiah know that these guys said this? How did he know that? Well, they made sure that he knew it, right? They, that whatever uh, words certainly got to Nehemiah, that his enemies were mocking him and mocking the work of the, of the people of God. And so with no transition at all, you know, 
uh, from the fox. If he steps on it, we'll break down the stone wall. We go immediately to Nehemiah's prayer in response to their threats. He says this in verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And you may not know much about the geography here, but by mentioning Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, uh, uh, those were all the people in a circle around Jerusalem. So... At every point around the, the compass, they're, they're surrounded by enemies, okay? So that's, that's why it's, it's mentioned like that. So it's not just random, random names. They're actually surrounded uh, 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 by, their, uh, by their enemies. And so when they heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. So you have a sense that the threats are beginning to work a little bit, right? And our enemies said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, we kept repeating it, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. So a couple of things to note about this uh, as we as we work through this this text. It's a pretty, pretty profound and powerful text for us. And there may even be things in this text that make you uncomfortable that that we'll need to address. You may uh, you may be uncomfortable to uh, uh, pray that God would uh, um uh, not uh, cover somebody's guilt, right? So we, we, we need to talk about that uh, as we work through it. But but the fact is, the first thing that we note about this is, is that Nehemiah knows who his enemy is. He's not uncertain, right? He's not, he's not that there's, oh, there's some kind of general um, uh, resistance here. He names them, right? Sanballat, right? Uh, 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 Tobiah, uh, the Ammonite, he knows the uh, Ashdodites, uh, these uh, Arabs, all of these people that are surrounding them. He knows who they are, right? He has clearly identified uh, his enemies. And that's an important thing for us, right, to identify who our actual enemy is. Uh, because we often, you know, in t- times of stress and struggle, make the mistake of misidentifying who our enemy is, Right. 
Uh, the Apostle Paul addresses this, right, where he says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places, right? So the, so the, so the fact of the matter is, uh, what, what he's recognizing here is, is that there are specific enemies who have a specific goal in mind, and that is discouraging, frightening, and knocking off track the work of the people of God for the rebuilding of the walls, right? Uh, and, and, and ultimately what they're, they're doing here and what we see in this text is largely threatening, right? Mocking, scoffing, right? Uh, making fun of, uh, uh, and, and pointing out all the weaknesses, all the sins, all of those things of the people of God as they're, as they're doing, uh, the, the work, right? And they're even threatening them in the midst of that, right? He, it, it, just look at what he says. What are these feeble Jews doing? Feeble, right? Uh, will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? It's going to take them forever. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Yes, what they are building. If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. You know how much a fox weighs? Very little, right? Uh, just a few pounds. So that what they're saying is, you know, listen, whatever it is they're doing there, uh, it is, uh, it's weak, it's silly looking. And, and honestly, I'm betting that what they're saying here is, is exactly the truth. Because remember, this is a wall built by priests, perfumers, right? Uh, uh, just uh, uh, people spread out all across uh, the, 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 the city as they uh, attempt to do that. So one of the things that we should recognize about that is uh, the accusations that often come against us, the, the things that, that come our way are very often have an element of truth in them, don't they? Uh, it is always tempting. I, I, I wrestle with this temptation all the time to think, you know, the, the work that I'm trying to do, the work that I am engaged in, really is uh, tainted and useless because I'm tainted, right? Uh, I, uh, I, you know, I, I can't claim to be uh, uh, perfect, right? Can't claim to be uh, uh, without sin. I can't claim to be totally 100% wise about everything that uh, as, as a leader among the people of God that we're supposed to do, right? And so when you recognize that, it's sometimes you can fall into the trap of losing any sense of confidence, losing any sense of the presence of God, losing any sense of the calling of God on your life and just decide, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel. This looks terrible. This is awful. <laughs> uh, my enemies are right. You know, this wall looks pretty lame. <laughs> this work seems pretty lame. Um, um, and so I, I hope and I pray that, that, that you're not as prone to discouragement, uh, as I am. You can ask my wife, uh, about how prone I am to it because it doesn't take a Sanballat or a Tobiah, uh, uh, too much to, uh, to discourage me, just a very little, right? And so what happens here is one of the things that we have to recognize is, is that, uh, when we are confronted with our own weakness, when we are confronted with the, 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 the truth that we are sinners and that the work that we do for God is not perfect, how do we answer that? What's a response to that? 
Well, the response to that is always, well, Jesus has died for that. That he is my righteousness. That he is the one who has set me on this path to do this work. He's the one that's called me to himself. I belong to him. He belongs to me. And uh, uh, as I go about doing the work that he has called me to do, um, I, uh, I trust him and lean into his good work uh, for me uh, to do the work that he's called me to do. Uh, and really, ultimately, when you are accused, the only defense that you have, the only true defense that you have is the cross of Christ. Um, because if you're honest, you know that on your best day, your motives are mixed. And on your best day, you're, uh, you're, you have all sorts of temptations uh, with, uh, with the work uh, that, you're, uh, that God has called you to do. And so uh, it's important for us to remember the gospel in the midst of struggle, in the midst of broken down walls, in the midst of trying to take a step towards doing something that you believe is the faithful thing that God has called you to do, uh, and to entrust yourself even more uh, to the work that Christ has done for you, that he is your shield, he's your defender, he's your righteousness. Secondly, what does Nehemiah do? Well, the second he hears these things, he turns and understands the source of his opposition. And he says this, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. In other words, let what happened to us, you know, with the removal of the Jews from Jerusalem, let that happen to them, right? Um, Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, isn't that a, that's a, that's, that's a pretty intense prayer, right? Probably the, when was the last time you were in a prayer meeting where people were praying that, uh, uh, enemies would be plundered? Uh, and, and if you've never been in a, in a prayer meeting like that, uh, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with your prayer meetings. <laughs> right? Because we, we want to be very, we want to be very soft sometimes in what we pray for, right? And we think that what the New Testament and what the gospel says is, is that, you know, we just, we want everybody to, uh, we, we, you know, we, we think love for neighbor means that uh, we totally accept everything that they're doing. And if, if, if there was just a little more education and a little more understanding, everybody would do what they're supposed to do. Because we all know, after all, that human beings are perfectible by other perfected humans, right? Right? Don't we know that? So, so the fact of the matter is, and we think, well, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus says to love your enemies. Absolutely, he does say to love your enemies. And you should love your enemies. You should pray for them. But at the same time, you have to see that when we read uh, in Revelation, uh, we have this great picture of the martyrs there who are under the uh, altar in heaven, and this is their prayer. This is a prayer that's going on in heaven right now. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth, right? And so one of the things that we have to see about this is, is that we, we pray for justice, not just because it's a good thing, but because justice glorifies God. 
we pray for justice because uh, the fact is uh, we actually are loving our enemies when we pray for justice because justice would curtail and prevent uh, the level of sin uh, that they might uh, involve themselves in, right? And so when we, when we read this we, we, and we come at this, we do this from the humility, understanding uh, that, uh, um, that we are sinners as well, but we also want to see, as we've prayed today, for the kingdom of God to come, that justice would roll down, as the prophet says, and cover the earth, right? But justice, own, true justice only comes uh, as we understand and uh, participate in the work that Jesus is doing, right? And so it is a good thing for us to pray, especially for those spiritual enemies that would be our undoing. It is especially a good thing for us to pray against uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil that would work their uh, sin upon us, right? And so we pray, certainly, that people would repent. There's no indication here that Sanballat or uh, uh, that these other guys, Tobiah, have any willingness uh, to repent at all and to uh, receive uh, uh, the grace of God. And so Nehemiah prays, Lord, you know, these people are coming against us. They want to kill us. They want to dishonor you. So don't let their sin be blotted out from your sight. They've provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. And so, Lord, have your way protect us and bring about justice uh, in, uh, in this situation. And so in response to that, he prays this prayer. And immediately what we read in verse 6 is, so we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. So they get busy. They get to work. But when the enemy see that, they don't leave it alone. They keep uh, coming after them and threatening the people who live in like the suburbs and the villages uh, that are around Jerusalem and threaten them even further, right? So what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah says he prays to God, right? And then he also sets a guard as a protection against them day and night, right? Uh, it says here that in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and open spaces, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their boats, their bows, right? Um, and he says to the people as he stations them there, these are not soldiers, by the way. These are not trained, you know. Uh, he's not putting, you know, special forces or rangers or marines or anything like, just like the perfumers and the priests and all the other people. You know, these guys are not, they're not contractors. They're not soldiers either. But he, he gives them their weapons, he stations them, and he says, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. Right? What a, what a great picture, right? And, 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 and in many ways, kind of a, a uh, pattern for us in the way in which we think about our lives. Right? A way to go about the work that God has called us to do. We pray. Right. Um, there is a there is a um, a stream and a, a school of thought that is alive and well in our um, uh, culture and our church, even uh, that prayer is useless or uh, uh, that it's powerless. 
And yet what we see here is you cannot accuse Nehemiah of not being a man of action. But before every action, what do we see him doing? We see him praying. You see him stopping, seeing the, the uh, being confronted with his enemies. And what does he do? He prays. He prays for justice, right? He prays that God would be at, at work there. And then he says there, and we, after he, uh, they plot to come against them, he says, we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night, right? Because he recognizes that, uh, that just praying is not enough and just setting a guard is not enough, right? This is faithful action, you know, and it's one of the things that we we tend to play off against one another, like, well, I'm going to pray and that's enough or I'm, you know, I don't have time for prayer because the world is so needy. I'm just going to act when, in fact, the people of God recognize both things as essential uh, for the work uh, that God has set before us. We should be we we should pray. Right. And we should be active. You know, it is. One of the things that uh, uh, that I learned a long time ago studying church history is one of the great strengths of the early monastic movement that started in, in the Dark Ages was the, the Order of St. Benedict. And the, and the kind of the motto of the Order of St. Benedict from the 3rd or 4th century was pray and work. Pray and work. Um, and I, I think that is a, a, a pretty powerful thing for, for us to do. Um, I included in the, um, I guess our letter, newsletter, what, what that church-wide email that went out one day this week, we, we do two a week. And, uh, at some point I, I did one where I, uh, quoted, uh, Karen Ellis, Carl Ellis's wife. They were here during our race in the church, uh, series a few years ago where she even said, you know, people will mock you for gathering to pray in times like this. Um, but she listed and I, I, I copied her in the in the email, the things that we pray for and the life giving things that we pray for in times like this. It's important now, probably more than ever, that the church be a bit about the business of praying, right? Um, but it's not just that we pray, right? We don't just pray, we, uh, we, we work, we do. Uh, as God leads us, as he provides for us, uh, as he gives us uh, uh, opportunity, you know, we act and we work. Well, that's exactly what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah gives, says, you know, we, we, we look to God because he's great and awesome, we expect him to protect us and to be at work here. Uh, but we also are not going to be presumptuous upon that. And we are going to arm ourselves because God has given us these things to protect ourselves with as we go about uh, the work uh, that he's called us to do. Now, I would submit to you in, in, in this day and age that there are different ways in which we might we might express that, different ways in which... We might express prayer and, um, and, and the work that God uh, has, has called us to do. I saw a, a video from uh, uh, the, uh, Pittsburgh during uh, the protests last week. Uh, Tish Harrison Warren, who's a, an Episcopal uh, priest that I follow, 
she she took this great uh, picture of uh, there's all these people milling around as you do in protests and that kind of stuff. And then there's this group of Mennonite people. And the reason why I say Mennonite people is you could tell they were Mennonites. I hope that's okay to say. They look like Mennonites, <laughs> right? Who were just standing on, uh, on the side of the street singing hymns. And I thought, what, you know, what a, what a powerful witness, what a powerful thing. They're present there in the midst of the protest. And what are they doing? Singing hymns. I thought that, I thought that was a, 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 a pretty uh, profound picture, right? So as we, as we look at this today, you know, the, the fact is don't play pr- prayer against action, right? Both of these things uh, uh, go together. Nehemiah says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight, right? Now, some of us uh, have the uh, ability and the resources in a time like this to actually take steps to address injustice uh, in very direct and profound ways. Um, Some of us uh, need to pray and fight the demons that are in here. You know, uh, and some of us need to uh, uh, ask God uh, to strengthen and encourage us uh, for the work that he might call us to do, right? To be open to the possibility that God might challenge us to um, put ourselves in an uncomfortable position uh, to do the things that uh, he desires for us to do. But what I do know in the midst of this, uh, what happens here is uh, Nehemiah sees and understands uh, the nature of his enemies. He understands the nature of the conflict and he understands the God who is with him and who is for him as he does uh, uh, does this work. And one last thing I think I think about this, too, um, you know, uh, one of the uh, realities that um, that we you face when you lead a group of people like Nehemiah is leading here. I'm sure there were people who were better builders than other. I'm sure there's some people who were more passionate and excited about the work than others. I'm sure there were some who were more afraid than others. I'm sure there were some who were angry and spoiling for a fight, right? I'm sure there were all different kinds of of people like that, and yet what he what he does here is the same thing uh, that Jesus does for us, right? He reminds us of the truth. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. The gospel's true. Jesus has lived, died, and risen again. And so, because of that, you can rest assured that your prayers are heard. That God turns His heart towards you, and that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. It's never in vain. Even if the wall looks lame. Even if the wall seems small. Even if your house cat climbs up on the wall and the stones begin to fall out of it because because your construction is not that great. Ultimately, our hope, our encouragement... The reality that we uh, uh, rest in is the little bit that I do, failing, often lame and weak, 
is never in vain because Jesus is Lord and he is risen from the dead. And so we can give ourselves fully uh, to the work uh, that God uh, has called us to do because of that. Um, Just remember, church, uh, the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That's a great it's a great word for us today, isn't it? So in light of that, let me pray and then we'll confess our sins. Lord, I'm sure that there are folks uh, in, uh, within my hearing today who are confused and sad and angry. I'm sure there are folks today who think the gospel's not enough. Uh, and I'm sure there are folks today who are uh, so discouraged uh, and feel so condemned Uh, by their own sin and failing, uh, that um, they're ready uh, to quit. And Lord, yet there are others who are ruled by fear and overcome uh, by uh, what appears to them to be the overwhelming power of the enemy against them. Lord, I pray for those who struggle against the powers inside them, like addiction, uh, like... um, well, just believing lies, that you would set them free, that you would fight on their behalf and give them courage. I pray for those of us today who are struggle with confusion uh, and struggle to name our enemies, that you would help us to do that and give us clarity about how you address justice and how you bring it about through your cross. Uh, how you bring it about through your reign and your rule. And I pray that you would help us uh, to be strengthened and encouraged uh, to see that and to participate in that. And Lord, I pray too today for um, uh, those of us uh, who look at the work before us and just feel discouragement. Um, Would you remind us as Nehemiah says that you're great, that you're powerful, and that you're for us, and that you're with us. Would you do that work uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Amen. Let's confess our sins together uh, by using this uh, prayer of confession uh, that's in uh, the bulletin. Uh, Pardon our sins, merciful Lord. We have been slow and superstitious in prayer. This sin leads to so many others. Keep us from withholding true worship from you, which your glory is due and which our hearts so urgently need. Wipe out our sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, remembered and forgotten. Grant us power to believe your blood cleanses us from all sin. Your spirit leads us in all prayer. Your grace overwhelms all evil. And your good news is our soul, life, and message. In Jesus' name, amen.
Believer, hear these words of encouragement from 1 Peter 2. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed.